Welcome to Catalytic Leadership, the podcast designed to help leaders intentionally grow and thrive. Here is your host, author and leadership and executive coach, Dr. William Attaway. Hey, it's William, and welcome to episode nine of our first season of the Catalytic Leadership Podcast. Each week, we tackle a topic related to the field of leadership. My goal is to ensure that you have actionable steps that you can take from each episode to grow in your own leadership. As I've heard Craig Grishel say many times, when a leader gets better, everybody benefits. Your team, your department, your customers, your clients, your spouse, your kids, everybody. Today, we're going to talk about being boldly action-oriented as a leader. Leaders have a bias for action. They don't want to just sit around. Leaders get things done. They don't like sitting and watching the grass grow. They want to see things get better. They want to move the ball up the field. They want to advance the mission of the organization and the team, and they want to see results. They have in their mind a picture of what could be and what should be, and they want to see it happen. They have a bias for action. Pastor and author Clay Scroggins said, Great leaders want to have the ball when things are hard. Great leaders want to be the ones leading people through and out of crisis. You know, leading through the COVID-19 pandemic taught me so many lessons. I have coached and learned from other leaders throughout this season too. And something that has stood out and continues to grow is the number of leaders who are taking off the mantle of leadership. They didn't sign up for leading in this type of an environment, and they're weary. They're burned out. They've never worked so hard or seen fewer results from that work. And that can be incredibly discouraging. You know what? I get that. I've felt that too. This has been an extraordinarily difficult season. And maybe you've been there also. I mean, none of us had ever led through a pandemic before with all the regulations and restrictions, the fear, the social distancing, and all the rest. But you know what I've noticed during this season? Leaders want the ball. Now, that's not to say that we don't experience downtimes. We absolutely do. But at the end of the day, when it's time to make the choice whether we're going to get up again and take another step, we choose to do just that. Len Schlesinger, Harvard professor and president emeritus of Babson College, said, if all you do is think, then all you do is think. Mediocre basketball players don't want the ball. Mediocre football players don't want the ball. Their fear drives them to avoid aggressively seeking it. They think, what if I mess up? What if I miss? What if I stumble and fall? What if I fail the team? That incessant voice in your head reminding you of questions like these is not uncommon. But great catalytic leaders want the ball. They go after it believing they can do something with it. Dr. Brene Brown notes, you can have courage or comfort. You must choose. Don't miss that. Courage and comfort almost never coexist. 
As a catalytic leader, I want the ball. I want to take the road of courage. And if you're listening to this, I think you do too. Now, it's not going to be easy, but who exactly promised that it would be? I can tell you this, though. It'll be worth it. Do you want the ball? Are you ready to step up and into the future that could be if only you would reach out and intentionally pursue it? Remember what Hall of Fame hockey player Wayne Gretzky once said, you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. Leaders, get the ball. Take the shot. But what happens when you don't want the ball? (laughs) That happens, right? What happens when you don't want the ball? I can recall times when I didn't want the ball. When I first came to the church where I currently serve, I came on board as the associate pastor. I remember one question in particular from the interview process. Do you ever see yourself in the lead role, being the senior or the lead pastor? My resounding response was absolutely not. I had a picture in my mind of what skills and personality were required to be successful in that role. And that was not me. I believed and I said I was a great number two, but I had no interest in sitting in the lead chair. Too much pressure, and I didn't think I had the right gift mix. Then, 18 months after accepting the associate position, the senior pastor left, and the church asked me to consider moving into that role. I got to tell you, I was not interested. I had a ton of reasons not to do it, and I could list them, alphabetically if necessary. And yet, the personnel team was persistent. We agreed to pray through it for six months and see what God led us both to. I entered that season absolutely convinced that this was not for me. And I exited that season convinced that this was indeed God's next step for my life. I was not eager for it, and I was really apprehensive. But I accepted it, thinking to myself, well, this will likely be just for a few years. Now, nearly two decades later, I can tell you that on the other side of obedience to God is a sense of peace, knowing that I did what he asked. It's not been easy, not by a long stretch, but he has been faithful never to leave me, never to forsake me. He's been with me every step of the way. I did not want this particular ball. But when it became clear that this was the right next step, I took the ball and I began to lead. And I've had a front row seat to see what God can do. Boldly action-oriented leaders know a secret. Persistence wins. I think stubbornness often gets a bad rap. I have been called stubborn more than once in my life. Okay, probably hundreds of times, to be honest. I'll have an idea, a mindset, a belief. And once I do, I tend to hold on to it until I have a reason not to. I listen, I learn, and I adjust as needed to be sure. But I can also hold fast when I think I've got the right side of an issue or the right solution to a problem. 
I like how Tony Dungy puts it. Coach Noel, he said, had always told me, being stubborn is a virtue when you're right. It's only a character flaw when you're wrong. Stubbornness, though, if taken to an extreme, can reflect a lack of a teachable spirit. If there's a compelling reason to change my mind, to consider another point of view, and I refuse to do so, that's not a virtue. That's just annoying. Persistence is what we do when we are convinced that we're moving in the right direction. When we believe that our course is the right one, persistence wins. Asia Brown, the former mayor of Compton, said leaders are not necessarily the best and the brightest. They simply do what they believe needs to be done. I've done this so many times in my own leadership when I believe that this is the right direction. This is the next step. This is the course we need to follow. Guess what? Not everybody agrees. (laughs) Everybody has opinions. Everybody has preferences. And sometimes those opinions and preferences are counter to what I as a leader feel like we need to do next, believe is the next right step. What do you do in that moment? My gut response typically is persistence. I'm going to try to win people over. I'm going to try to influence them and share with them the why so that I can help them get to where I am, believing that this is the next right step. But I'm not going to back down. I'm going to keep going forward. That's persistence. I believe it's a lot easier to do a course correction on a plane when it's in motion than when it's stopped on the ground. I want to be in motion. I want to adjust as necessary. But adjusting from a dead stop, that's a whole lot harder. I've seen too many leaders stop, quit, just before the breakthrough. They press forward for a while, but but then they lose steam. And they quit. They stop. They give up. Let me challenge you, leaders. Get the ball. Take the shot. Be persistent. Remember, persistence wins. My challenge to you this week is this. Where do you need to re-up your commitment to being boldly action-oriented? Where do you need to re-up your persistence commitment? Spend a few minutes journaling about this. Write it down and pre-decide, pre-determine that you will press forward boldly, action-oriented, with persistence. You know where I'm talking about. You know what your next thing is. Press forward, leader. Don't quit. Not today. Thanks for joining me for this episode. As we wrap up, I have a request for you. I'd love for you to do two things. First, subscribe to this podcast so you don't miss an episode. And if you find value here, I'd love it if you would rate it and review it. That really does make a difference in helping other people to find this podcast. Second, if you don't have a copy of my newest book, Catalytic Leadership, I'd love to put a copy in your hands. If you go to catalyticleadershipbook.com, you can get a copy for free. Just pay the shipping so I can get it to you and we'll get one right out. My goal is to put this into the hands of as many leaders as possible. 
This book captures principles that I've learned in 20 plus years of coaching leaders in the entrepreneurial space, in business, government, nonprofits, education, and the local church. You can always connect with me on LinkedIn to keep up with what I'm learning and thinking about. And if you're ready to take your next step with a coach to help you intentionally grow and thrive as a leader, I'd be honored to be your coach. Go to catalyticleadership.net to book a call with me, and let's explore if it's a good fit. Stay tuned for our next episode next week, a new Catalytic Leader Spotlight interview. Until then, as always, leaders, choose to be catalytic. Thanks for listening to Catalytic Leadership with Dr. William Attaway. Be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss the next episode. Want more? Go to catalyticleadership.net.